Good morning. It is good to gather. It is good to be in God's house. It is good to come so that we might glorify His name. Just a couple of announcements as we begin. We do have Bible study tonight. We will be wrapping up our last lesson in the relational wisdom study, and then we will take next week off and then pick up in the Westminster Confession of Faith the following week. Um, Women of the church, you are scheduled to meet on the 10th. Uh, that Tuesday at 7 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. So please remember that. Um, Yes, 2 o'clock, I'm sorry. That will be at 2 o'clock. Women of the Church are meeting at 2 on the 10th. Um, Just remember today as we do sing, to sing in a quiet voice, in a talking voice rather than belting it out. We do look forward to the day when we can belt it out once again, and um, know that God is sovereign over that, and use us as an opportunity, as I've mentioned before, to remember our brothers and sisters around the world who have to worship in silence because of persecution. And so, are there any other announcements today? Well, if not, our call to worship comes from Psalm 18, beginning in verse 30. As for God, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God beside the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. Let us pray. Our God and Father, we do thank you for these promises that you are our shield and that when life is dangerous, when life is chaotic, when the winds and waters of this world swirl around us, you are our refuge. And so, Lord, remind us that you are a rock, our shield, and our refuge. Remind us that you strengthen us, that you arm us, and remind us that you draw us into this place to worship you. Lord, we love you because you first loved us, and we thank you for all that you have done to us. And so we offer our worship and praise, and we worship you now by praying as you have taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen and amen. We are here to worship, and as I mentioned, part of our worship is singing. So please take Bible songs, that green book there before you. Turn to number 32, Divine Strength, Our Protection. God provides us protection through the ordinary means of this world, but He is also our protection against the attacks of the evil one. So let us stand and sing Bible song number 32, Divine Strength, Our Protection.
Please be seated. As we enter God's presence for worship, we are reminded that he is the holy God, the transcendent God, and that he calls us, his people, to be holy as he is holy. And oftentimes we fail in that pursuit of happiness, but he calls us to confess and he calls us to seek forgiveness from him. So let us bow our heads and take a few moments to confess our sins quietly before God. Lift up your heads and hear the glorious news that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might have salvation. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 4. I'm going to begin in verse 28 of Daniel 4 and read through 37. But the context here is that Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream. And in that dream, uh, there was a tree that was cut down and became wild. And Daniel has interpreted the dream to be um, a a prediction of what will happen to Nebuchadnezzar when he takes credit for all the things that God had done for him. So I'll begin reading in Daniel chapter 4, beginning in verse 28. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. None, No one can hold back His hand or say to Him, What have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. 
and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Tithes and offerings can be given through the baskets either here in the front or at the back of the church, or they can continue to be mailed in as you consider how God calls you to worship him through giving. above, we do thank you for all that you have given. We know that you own the cattle in a thousand hills, but you call us to honor you by returning a portion through tithes and offerings of what you have given to us. And we, we do this out of gratitude, out of obedient worship to you. Lord, we know that you bless those who give. We know that you use what is given so that your name might be proclaimed and your glory might shine into the, into the darkness of our world. And so, Lord, be honored and glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain standing and please take your hymn book, that maroon book there before you, and turn to hymn number 319. We will sing the second tune. Um, and it is a, a plea for a closer walk with God. That should be our plea that as we walk through the difficulties of life, that we walk closer with God. So let us sing hymn number 319.
Please be seated. In your bulletin, you have the Apostles' Creed. It is a summary of what we believe. It is a summary of what we teach from the Scriptures. And so I ask you today, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As we go to the Lord this week in prayer, please remember uh, Mandy Vance uh, with her chronic leukemia. Also, we lift up Michael Williams, uh, Mariana's grandson. He was in the ER last night awaiting transfer to um, Pittsburgh. Uh, they were trying to get him stabilized so they could transfer him. I, I haven't talked to her this morning, so I'm not sure. Last time I talked to her was about 7 o'clock. So be praying for him. And also Sandy, his mom, Mariana's daughter, has a stomach bug on top of everything as well. So um, please be in prayer for Mariana and her family. Are there any other? Oh, we, we praise God. We prayed. We've been praying for Hannah for a little while. We prayed that last week her... Uh, pen and cast removal would go well, and that went great. So she's enjoying a cast-free life right now. So we praise God for that. Any other prayer requests or thanksgivings? All right, well, let's go to the Lord. Our God and Father above, we are brokenhearted at times because we are called to sing to you in worship and in glory and in honor and you are in a God who is exalted. You are a God who is high and lifted up. And our, our ability to sing has been uh, pulled back uh, a little bit from us, at least corporately, as we gather because of a pandemic. But you are the God to whom we sing. You are the God who punishes and defeats all of his own enemies and all of our enemies. Lord, you are our strength and you ultimately are our song as well because you have become our salvation. We Sing along with the saints around your throne. We sing along with the heavenly beings. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, whose glory fills the whole earth and who was and who is and who is to come. Lord, you are a warrior on behalf of your people. You fight their battles. Lord, as our enemies are arrayed against us, whether it is a viral enemy, whether it's a human enemy, whether it's powers and principalities as they stand in battle against your church. You are a warrior who fights on behalf of his people. And you defeat your enemies. You defeat our enemies. And you protect your people. For you have promised that you will build your church. And the gates of hell, whatever form they take, will not prevail against it. Lord, you are majestic in power. 
Lord, you are mighty in battle. You are great in your majesty. You are a holy and consuming fire. Lord, you have acted on behalf of your people, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We think of the Israelites in the Exodus, whereas they were pinned against the sea with the Egyptian armies behind them. You held the armies back until you could open the seas. They could walk through on dry land. And then as the Egyptians pursued, you closed the seas over them. The enemies boasted that they will destroy the people of God, and yet you were the one who was victorious among the people and over your enemies. Who is like you, O God? Who is like you in your majesty? Who is like you in your glory? Who is like you in your awesome holiness? Who is like you working wonders in our world? Lord, we thank you for the wonders that you have worked. We thank you that Hannah had a a smooth uh, removal of her cast and removal of her pens and that she is back on the mend. You have worked your mighty power in protecting us from sin and temptation and in protecting us from persecution in protecting us from this virus. And we ask that you continue to work on behalf of your people with your might and with your power. Lord, in your love, you have led us in our lives to where we are this very day, not just here in this place to worship you. We know that you have led us and called us into this place. But also, Lord, whatever's going on in our lives, we know that through your unfailing love, you have led us to those places, whether it's the still stream, whether it's the green pasture, or even if it is the valley of the shadow of death, we know that you are leading us along righteous paths for because of your love and because of your name. We know that it is in your strength that you will guide us through these difficulties. And so we lift up those among us who are being led through the difficult places. We think of Mandy and her family and ask that you would be with them as she walks this difficult road of chronic leukemia. We thank you for doctors and for medication that makes this not quite as serious a diagnosis, but we know that it is still a serious one. And so we ask that you provide healing and strength for her. We pray for Teresa and her struggles and ask that you would walk with her and her family through those things, leading them in your unfailing love and in your strength. We pray for Michael, and we know that you hold his life in your hand, that you are sovereign over everything that happens to him and to his mom and to his grandmother, and we ask for your glory to be revealed in his healing. We ask for a safety in that. We ask for wisdom for the doctors in Pittsburgh or wherever he may, or in Pittsburgh, and we ask that you um, restore him to his family soon. And once again, we lift up Roy and Shelby with their different uh, back issues and knee issues. And uh, we ask that you be with them and give them guidance and wisdom in the decisions they need to make. We think of Katie and her struggle with MS and ask for strength for her and for her family. And for all these people that are on our list as well, we think of our shut-ins, Rosalie and Tom and Mike and Eddie and Jim and Mariana. Lord, protect them from the difficulties of this isolation that has resulted because of this virus and walk with them through this difficult time. Lord, we know that you hear and answer prayer. We know that you work your might and your glory among the nations and that as the nations consider your might and your glory, they will tremble. They will bow before you 
and that by the power of your arm, they will be stilled from the persecution against your people, all of our enemies, both human and spiritual, will be stilled by the might of your arm. And you will bring your people into your promised land and you will plant them as a vineyard. You will plant them on the mountain of your inheritance and in the place where you have made your dwelling, in the new heavens and the new earth that you have established. And they will feast forever with you as you reign. So Lord, remind us of those glorious truths. Remind us of the peace that is given to us because of the work of our Lord and Savior. Remind us that sin and death has been conquered through His work. Remind us to sing to You, for You are highly exalted. The horse and its rider You have hurled into the sea. We know that You have done that through the work of Your Son and through the power of Your Spirit. And so it is to You, God the Father, that we pray. We do so in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. We are in Proverbs chapter 15. When we read, we will begin in verse 30 of chapter 15, and we will read through verse 15 of chapter 16. It is good to be back to Proverbs. It is good to be reminded of God's wisdom in this world. Um, It's good to know that we are in a transition Point in the book of Proverbs, which we'll talk about and cover a little bit later. So please take up your Bibles along with me and read, beginning in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 30. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will it be at home among the wise. He who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever heeds correction gains understanding. The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, and humility comes before honor. To man belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. The Lord works out everything for his own ends, and even the wicked for the day of disaster. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, a man avoids evil. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. The lips of a king speak as an oracle, and his mouth should not betray justice. Honest scales and balances are from the Lord. All the weights in the bag are of of his making. Kings detest wrongdoing, for a throne is established through righteousness Kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value a man who speaks the truth. A king's wrath is a messenger of death, but a wise man will appease it. When a king's face brightens, it means life. His favor is like a rain cloud in the spring. Let us pray. God and Father above, according to the riches of your glory, grant us to be strengthened by your Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. 
Through your word and your spirit, remind us that Christ dwells in us through faith, a faith that roots us in your love and faithfulness. And as we consider this passage today from Proverbs, teach us the breadth and length and height and depth of that love and fill us with your fullness in Christ Jesus. It is in his name that we do pray. Amen. So how's 2020 going for you? Actually, pandemic aside, we would probably in all reality be able to react in much the same way any given year of our lives. You know, we put on a good face, we say the right things, but if we're completely honest with ourselves and with each other, we we live in a world that would be better described as swirling chaos than it would be as a well-ordered process. And how do we typically react to the swirling chaos around us? Typically by quirky little sayings such as when in trouble, when in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. Or we allow the world of the chaos of the world to build up stress and anxiety and worry within us that that expresses itself through fear, through anger, through difficulties in speaking, just through all these myriad ways, relational difficulties, whatever. But for the people of God, this is not the way to live. While the chaos still swirls, or squirrels, maybe so, but while the chaos swirls around us, the child of God should be at peace. Not a fatalistic peace, not the peace of, well, you know, it is what it is. Not the peace that sighs and resigns itself to the fact that life stinks and then you die. But the peace of God that transcends all understanding, the peace of God that says it is what God wills. And I can find rest and trust in that. And in between two calls today, one, the call to wisdom, and the second call, the reminder that the king should be righteous and just, Solomon reminds his son of the importance of realizing the sovereignty of God. And so today in these three sections of this passage, we will learn that because God reigns, we should find a restful peace in the midst of chaos. First, the call to wisdom. Solomon opens today's passage in verses 30 through 33 with a summary of what he taught basically through chapters 1 through 8. He talks about the cheerful look bringing joy to the heart and good news giving health to the bones. How good it is when we see those friends who have the smile for us, who have a reminder for us of God's love for us given to us through Jesus, who greet us with a cheerful face, And with the good news of the gospel, that news there is related to the next verse in that news comes from the same root as listen. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home among the wise. We are we become wise because we are willing, willing to listen and learn from and apply the correction that is given to us through those who seek to teach us wisdom And that word news and that word listens is linked as well to the word heeds in the second half of the next verse, that whoever heeds correction gains understanding. Brothers and sisters, we are called to teach wisdom to each other, and we are called to learn wisdom from those who are wiser than us. And we will be counted among the wise if through the fear of the Lord, we learn humility that brings honor in approaching 
God in approaching each other and approaching wisdom. But Solomon here gives us a warning as well, or at least a description, and he goes straight to the heart. When he tells us that those who ignore the discipline, the correction, the life-giving rebukes of wisdom do so, not out of ignorance, they know the wise words, they know wisdom, it is either revealed to them through wise counselors or it is revealed to them through God's creative acts that can be witnessed outside. But merely because they despise themselves. They reject God because there is a sense of self-loathing. They reject God because there is a turning of the back upon the reality that they are created in the image of God and that he views them as special. Now, if you were to ask a person who follows the ways of folly, would they admit that I do so because I despise myself? Probably not. But their actions in choosing the death that Solomon has continually warned against and will continue to warn against, their pursuit of self-destructive ways shows a sense of self-loathing, a sense of despising themselves that rests at the heart because why would anybody choose life over death when the choice is there before them? And so we're reminded of Solomon's call to wisdom here. We'll notice a shift as we move forward in Solomon's wise words from this passage on. If, if we have looked at the Proverbs, the individual Proverbs, we will notice previous to this, they were all kind of antithetical or opposite in focus. Solomon would say one thing, such as a fool spurns his father's discipline. And then he would fill it out through a negative parallelism, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. It's an antithetical parallelism, but parallelism. But as we move forward, we will see a more synthetic, where we will see the, the conjunction and instead of the conjunction but, or as we see in verse 8 of chapter 16, better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice, those better than um, Proverbs. And it reminds us that the discipleship of wisdom comes both from negative means and positive means. In fact, he explicitly says it here in the first verse, where the cheerful look brings joy to the heart and good news gives health to the bones. While we all are called to teach wisdom through the life-giving rebuke and through the correction that leads to understanding, we are to do that sometimes positively as well. If you are only ever critical and never give positive affirmation or positive discipleship, you may not be discipling. You may just be rude. I may just be rude. Sorry, not you. Sorry, I'm projecting there. It's my bad. If, you, if, if your friends, if, if my friends look and see me coming and all they ever see is a grumpy, grouchy look on my face. Sorry, Michelle and Gregory. But if that's all they ever see, I may just be cranky all the time. My pursuit of discipling my family, my friends, those who God has given to me as an under-shepherd, the sheep that God has given to me as an under-shepherd, my discipleship should have a positive tinge to it, a positive turn to it. And we forget that sometimes. I know I'm not the only pessimist out there. 
I'm not, I know I'm not the only one who can see the dark clouds and miss the beauty of the rainbow. But in light of what God has given us to do, even though he does call us to give the life-giving rebuke, even though he does call us to give the correction that leads to understanding, we should do so cheerfully. We should also bring encouragement that comes with a smile on the face, that comes with the good news of the gospel that brings health to the bones and joy to the soul. The path of discipleship is not only one of correction, it is also one of encouragement. And so Solomon calls us to wisdom through good news as well. Then he turns to the sovereignty of God, verses six, chapter 16, verses 1 through 9. Begin and end with this reminder that to man belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. And in verse 9 he says, in his heart a man plans his course but the Lord determines his steps. It's a reminder to us of what James says at the end of chapter four, when he talks about the businessman or the important person who goes to town and he says, hey, tomorrow, next week, we're going to go do this thing and that thing and we're going to make money and we're going to build a business and we're going to build a family and build a house. And James says, you forget God in that because God can change those plans in a heartbeat. It is God who holds the plans in his hands. And so you should make your plans in light of if God wills. I know in the evenings when I review my day and seek to plan for the next day, I try. I don't do it as often as I should, but I try to remember as I put my planner away to say, Lord, I commit these plans to you. I give them over to you. I know that you can will that they will happen or they won't happen. And then typically the next day I forget that I've prayed that because when God decides to shift up my plans, I get a little cranky. I don't approach people with a cheerful look and with good news. But God holds the plans of man in his hands. And it's important for us to see that God is sovereign over the plans of man. Now, now this passage, this, this passage on sovereignty here, verses chapter 16, verses 1 through 9, has a couple things that point to us the importance of this idea of sovereignty as Solomon seeks to teach his son. The first thing is it, it comes pretty much at the center of the book, but at least at the center of the first collection of Solomon's Wisdom. We'll have a, a section of Solomon wis, Solomon's wisdom that ends in 2216 that has then a section of wisdom from outside the nation of Israel, most likely. Then we'll have another section of Solomon's sayings as compiled by Hezekiah before we meet the last two speakers at the end of the book. And at minimum, this passage comes at the center of the first collection of Solomon's sayings. But at best, it also comes at the center of the book of Proverbs. And that's important for us to see, to see that the pursuit of wisdom happens under the Lord's sovereignty, under God's sovereignty. But the other thing that shows the importance of this passage comes in the name of God that is used throughout this. We have talked before. I have mentioned before that Solomon has compiled these Proverbs and the covenant name of God, I am or Yahweh, appears 87 times in the book of Proverbs. We miss it when we read it oftentimes. 
the highest concentration of the use of God's covenant name occurs in these nine verses. This is important. This is important for Solomon's son to understand. This is important for us to understand. And what Solomon is teaching here is the sovereignty of God. Now, what is God's sovereignty? At its most basic, it is the fact that he rules and that he reigns. It is best seen in the titles which we normally attribute to the second person of the Trinity because of its New Testament usage to him. But it is seen best in the titles King of Kings and Lord of Lords. If you take those two passages, those two phrases in the original language, it takes two words, King and Lord, and it uses a verbal form of the word and then a noun form of the word. Remember, remember English grammar, nouns, verbs, adjectives, things like that. So these would most literally show up not as king of kings, but as the one who reigns over those who reign. Lord of lords would be the one who rules over those